Welcome to Center Stage. My name is Mark Gordon. On March 31, 1982, the Alpine Meadows Ski Resort was hit by a massive avalanche. Millions of pounds of snow rushed down the side of the mountain with the speed of a tsunami. When it was over, seven people were dead. The events of that tragic day are documented in the film Buried. Stay tuned as we go center stage with the filmmakers, Jared Drake and Stephen Sig. I know this is about an avalanche, but what is really, what is really the story about with this movie buried? Well, you know, this movie has a lot of different themes. Uh, the project itself was meant to be cathartic, and some of the themes that we really wanted to touch on was community and the power of community when facing adversity, and also how you can overcome adversity when you put your head down and you come together as a group was very, very important theme to us. And then the heart of our film is really around Jim Plain. In watching the film, it's obvious to see that Jim must be suffering from tremendous guilt over what had happened because he was the avalanche forecaster. And how do you live with that burden of losing, what, seven people? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. The families of the victims even sued, but the court found no fault with, in what Jim had done or his team had done. But perhaps some of that survivor's guilt plays into it. How is he doing today? Has he been able to process this and move forward, or does it still hover over yeah. his head? I mean... Yes and no, I would say. There's a line from the plaintiff's attorney in there that says, I don't think there's a day that goes by that Jim Plain doesn't think if think about 1982. And, and that's true. And I think it's true probably for our, a lot of our subjects. Um, you know, it, mountains have defined Jim's life. He, we thought at one point that we were going to look at this story as a love story between Jim and Snow. And that was kind of led us down a path that I think ultimately created the, the, the story that we have now. And Jim has a beautiful relationship with nature and outdoors. He spends more time in the backcountry probably than anybody I know. You know, at any given time, you can reach out to him and he's backpacking in the middle of the Sierra by himself, just cruising. And He has a real deep personal connection. The thing about Jim that constantly blows me away is his openness and desire to talk. And I think from the moment this happened, Jim has been an open book with anybody that asks. He he expresses himself really well. He he controls his emotions really well. Um, Not that he's not emotional, he is. 
but he controls his emotions. He thinks critically and he talks, he wants to talk and about every aspect of his life. And this is obviously a major moment in his life. So he keeps using that to try and redefine himself, redefine who he is, what he's about. And it's, he's, he's hands down one of the most impressive people I've ever met in that regard. Yeah, Jim, you know, he had some, he had time because of the lawsuit to really get into this and, and reinforce that they had done everything they could. But at the same time, he wasn't totally aware of how everybody else felt, you know, because I think people were guarded when they came to yeah. Jim and talked yeah. to Jim. And yeah. so it became one of these things that the project, he wanted this to be a salute to all of those that worked so hard. He's the, he's the symbol of it all. And he was the leader once um, the leadership was gone. And I think he had some questions about that and how the community looks at him. And I think he's found solstice with this because people are able to approach him now and ask those questions that I think people weren't really asking. So then he was inside his head asking those questions and then that's when you get confused. Yeah. And so the project has really brought the conversation to the surface that everybody can celebrate how hard the community came together and that, yeah, he was in a leadership role, but his desire was to show how hard everybody else worked. Yeah. And I, I do think that throughout the film for him was an important thing and an opportunity to kind of tell his side of the story. He, he left Alpine and the, and the patrol. He left the patrol in 1982 after this. And Larry kind of took over patrol and stepped, stepped into a new position. And so Jim, I think in a way, always questioned how people perceive, perceive the job he did. And, you know, that's a part of the film and I, it's, it's, it, it's real. I think mm -hmm. it's, he, he has lived with that for 40 years, wondering what people have said about him and the job that he's done. And he's throughout the film, he's gotten a lot of, in the release of the film, he's gotten a lot of credit and a lot of praise. And I think that's really meant a lot to him. Probably the, the biggest moment that, he had probably the biggest moment that we've had is we had a, a screening last year in in Tahoe City. A lot of 82 came and Jim came up after, um, you know, the film for a Q&A and Larry came up and the two of them embraced. And Larry said, you know, I'm kind of summarizing, um, you know, Jim, I never questioned the job that you did. I've only had the utmost respect for everything that you put in place. and those moments throughout the release, I think have really, the release of the movie have really made a, uh, really meant a lot to Jim. I was reading an um, article in Outside Magazine about the film and uh, they interviewed Jim and it was this notion of when you came to meet these people, they were dealing with PTSD. How do you elicit a response or build rapport or take them to places where maybe it's going to be uncomfortable, but it could be cathartic. You know, it's a lot of listening and giving them the opportunity to talk if they want to talk. And I, I think going back to the start of making the movie, Jim really approached 
Sig to to make this happen. He wanted to talk. And we initially had no interest in going and making a movie. Making movies are really hard. Sig and I both have day jobs and families and everything. <laughs> but Sig, Jim kind of pulled us in and started talking and we realized we have to capture his story before it's too late. And then others wanted to talk and we didn't feel like at that time we could not allow other people an opportunity to speak as our community. So we started filming interviews, just sitting down and letting them talk. And the film fairly quickly began to crystallize through that. There were a lot of people we reached out to that to fill certain gaps or that we had heard had angles on the story that just said, nope, don't want to, I've dealt with it. I don't want to talk about it. Like 40 years ago, I don't even want to open that up. I've moved on all good. Good luck. And for us, we were 1000% fine with that. Um, we by no means felt like we never pushed anybody to to participate because we thought it would be good for their process. They had to decide that themselves. And and that's kind of been the, mm. the motto throughout. Yeah, and, and we found ourselves, you know, we're trying to, to tell a story here. And, and I think both of us knew that we had to be very respectful in the way that we approached having these conversations because you don't want to open a wound if if it's going to be detrimental to your subject. Mm -hmm. So it was always something that it was, it was a tightrope walk because it could go either way. But we did find as soon as we got down into these conversations that when they did open the wound, that it immediately started to heal. And when you sit down and have these conversations and you, you open yourself up, you have realizations within yourself. And that's where that healing can really take hold. Yeah. And then when we finished the film or 90% of the film, we started sharing it with the community because we needed we, to figure out if it, if we had a, a good film here or not. And some they could get behind. I mean, we yeah. literally held a test screening a couple of years ago just for the community and those in the movie and those yeah. that were there in 82. And we were ready to shelve it at, after that if they felt like this is something that hurts more than it helps or if they feel like we didn't capture it properly mm -hmm. and tell their story accurately and unanimously across the board, since we've started showing the movie, uh, those that were there in 82 have, have only thanked us or yeah. have only, you know, felt like the movie has helped their process. And we've seen it on a community level, bring those from 82 and others who have experienced similar tragedy come together. I mean, we've seen like real healing. It's, it's it it it's it's been an incredible honor and i think kind of has caught us off guard a little bit in terms of how you know helpful the film can be in that regard and i i remember being a little bit so it all kind of culminated to the 40th anniversary last march and so many people came to that celebration of life and you could see it in everybody's faces that this was the time that everyone needed to put, not put it to bed, but raise it to the surface so they could um, come to terms with it and find the healing that everybody needs one way or the other. And then that transcends into other communities 
who are faced with other adversity or other weather events or wildfire or floods, et cetera, et cetera. And that is the core of what this is about is community coming together and finding healing and making a project like this cathartic. You've kind of answered my next question, but I'm going to ask it anyway. <laughs> In working on this film and what you brought to it and what you kind of can take away, what did you learn about loss and resilience? Well, yeah. I think I'm still, I'm still trying to, to work it out. There's certain moments in the film that, that give you strength. And we've seen more tragedy in Tahoe, you know, since this event, obviously every, everybody sees tragedy. Um, and I think our film has given me strength to deal with the tragedies that come at us and that the film can really serve um, to help people have strength and a willingness to dive in and help have conversations about these things. And I think that was something I was not, I didn't think was going to happen. You know, you make a movie, it's hard, it's tough, it's a struggle. You end up, you know, almost hating your project at the end. And I've found that I've found more strength in this project than anything that I can face things when things get tough because of this film. And that's, surprising and refreshing at the same time. Did it open up a wound for you? Because I read that you had experienced a loss of a friend. Yeah, I lost my, my best friend to a, a big mountain in, in Alaska. And I, I think I suppressed all of that. And he and I had set out to, to make different types of movies that were more story driven. And when I lost him, I, I gave up the whole film game. I was, I was done with it. And I got pulled back in by my mentor, Tom Day, who's actually our, our DP on the project. And I realized that telling these stories, you know, we're going back to that same theme, telling these stories is where I found that strength that we were talking about. And then I was able to resolve uh, my unwillingness to face that tragedy. And I think I've become more open to, to that loss. Uh, because of this project and I'm really hoping that other people can find the strength um, to face any problems that they're faced with and I think Aaron would be super proud of this film because it was something that he always wanted to do with storytelling as well he was a great writer and uh, yeah you know I think you're the first person who's really kind of put all that together. So I appreciate <laughs> you that. Are, Mark. <laughs> yeah, you are. So I appreciate that. I'm sorry to get teary eyed, but no, yeah. yeah. teary eyed. I cried watching this. It was very moving. It seems as if uh, there's this notion in, and it's brought out in the film, can man control nature? Can we really know what an outcome is going to be? And then it also gets back into this notion of questioning. 
the yeah. questions about what happened or what should I do? What is the right decision I should make at this given time? And then mm-hmm. even Jim talks about hubris. Mm-hmm. Yeah, hubris yeah. is a is a is a a big theme in the film, and it's a big theme in Backcountry Scheme. Um, that's one of the big things that we wanted to do is just make people more aware of avalanche, what we call avalanche awareness, and that you need to be educated on what Mother Nature can unleash. And control is a, is a tricky word, you know, and man has always tried to control weather. And we can to a certain degree. We can mitigate avalanches. We can make, you know, powder days safer on the mountain. Um, by using different mitigation techniques. Um, we can control, you know, water to a certain degree, but there's a tipping point when mother nature truly is in charge. And we see it with wildfire, floods, avalanches, etc. So our control only can go so far. And then the power of mother earth can just take over and make us feel completely insignificant. So the key is that awareness when mother nature is like no 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 so we at in my situation with the avalanche path that we have when we have a big storm event that is going to unleash to a degree that no one's going to be able to control it we have to leave and you have to succumb to that and you have to realize that you can't just stay there and wildfire the same way you know a lot of people will stay at their house until the bitter bitter end to try and protect against that but it gets to a point that you got to get out of there and you got to get out of the way. And I think this event really um, dictates that. But at the same time, they could never give up because if they gave up, they would have never been able to get back into that area and, and open the ski area again that, that season. So there's that fine, delicate line of, you know, when is Mother Nature going to, you know, unleash, you know, old man winter and kick us in the butt and teach us a lesson. And that's what we learn from these events is we learn things so that we can take that awareness and try and keep ourselves and our community safer. Sometimes people will be like, well, you still live here and, and there's still a ski area there. And one of the things I like to remind everybody is skiing and snowboarding is in avalanche zones. So that shows what a great ski area it is because of all of these avalanche zones, which is good skiing areas. And so you have to be completely tuned in. You have to have an awareness, not just for backcountry skiers, but people need to be aware within the ski area boundaries too, because ski patrol work their buns off to make the place as safe as possible, but is never truly, truly safe. And that's above and beyond avalanches. You know, there are inherent risks to going up to the mountains and playing on these mountains um, and on these slide paths. So one of the big things that we want to do with this film is make people a little bit more aware of what can happen, not only at a ski area, but with weather events. And I think we did that with this film. Yeah, and Ski Patrol, I think, touching on that was really important to us, you know, how they are a segment of, you know, society that protects and serves and they've don't really, they've never really been highlighted or celebrated in terms of 
what they face and you know what they sacrifice physically and emotionally and mentally and you know they're out there trying to keep the mountains safe so we can all go explore and connect with nature and it's a, it's it's a, a critical role uh for those you know to 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 have that and we really wanted to capture what they what they do and how they persevere and what they face the film shows an example of what can happen when people don't pay attention to the warning signs there's a family that has been cooped up in a condo and they decide to venture out in the storm and then they get buried in the avalanche you know that's the other side of of the coin when you have these big storm events you're you're locked inside you're you're protecting your yourself from the elements and that'll drive you crazy after a little while. And they needed to get out and walk. They just weren't fully aware of exactly where they were walking and what kind of danger they were getting into, even though people had warned them not to go that way. You know, there's accidents that happen, you know, and we make decisions and we need to learn from those types of things because they didn't do anything wrong. They just happened to just take the wrong route where they were going and they just ended up being in the wrong place at the wrong time and it's nobody's fault you decided to do this film as a grassroots effort why did you decide to do it that way and not uh, depend on hollywood we would love this to be a narrative hollywood film and it's always been something we've talked about because then that's how you really get the masses to, to, to understand and take away from the film. But we had an obligation and a responsibility to the community to tell the whole story from a point of view of people that understand it better than most. Whereas Hollywood will come in and they'll fixate on one character and they won't They'll dramatize a certain area. So it was important that we, just, yeah. we had a document, you know, historical document that says this is what happened. And now we can sit back and say, okay, if Hollywood gravitates to this, we're all in because the story deserves that kind of recognition and that big stage. So we feel that we've protected the story and now we can branch out and hopefully somebody will see that, you know, a, a bigger stage for this story is, is where it should land, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, Sig and I, we're just a couple dudes that live in the mountains. And when this film started to come together years ago, sensationalized was a word that, you know, kept coming up, both within the community and within our conversations. And we did not want to sensationalize one piece of it. And truthfully, like, put ourselves back there four or five years ago when we started it. We had zero ambition to make any sort of Hollywood film. We had no idea where this was going to end up, if it was just going to live in the archives of the community. And we didn't care. We just wanted to capture the truth that we know it as community members. We're SIG owns businesses in the area. We're both raising families in the area. This is our legacy, our community's legacy. The only thing that mattered was capturing it. And it's kind of you know, serendipitous or ironic or whatever you want to call it, that we're actually getting a true theatrical release and we get to have, we get for it to play on a big level. Like Hollywood was never even in the conversation. 
going back to your question earlier about loss and what do you take away from it? Like, you know, at the darkest of moments, you got to hope and believe in the light that might exist and might be there and hang on to that. And it's never as, as, as clean and easy and you're never going to be able to put your grief away, but just keep looking for the light, you know? And I think that's what our subjects did. If you'd like more information about Buried and where you can see the film, visit buriedfilm.com. Until next time, this is Mark Gordon, and I'll see you center stage.